You're listening to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums Podcast, Season 10, Episode 83. I'm John, and joined by co-host John. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, John. Um, although, uh, when we agreed to do this, I forgot it was Father's Day um, Sunday, but I don't have anything I need to do, so I'm glad to be on. Well, in terms of everything you need to do, you shouldn't be doing much at all if it's Father's Day. But if I know how my Father's Day is... Well, in terms of getting out for a meal and stuff, that's what I mean. Oh, in terms of I, I, well, in terms of I did go out for lunch earlier, uh, but recently tonight I've been uh, cutting down a tree and burning it. So yeah, I hope there's no one that's on from the green party because I did burn the tree and cut the tree. So yeah, uh, but very manly. I thought man points, man points um, in terms of there. So Scott, we've got Scott on from Footy Blog Net. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, you good? Better uh, than last time. Yes, slightly better. How much better would you say, percentage-wise, if we want it in a percentage? 80%. 80 percent. Yeah, it's pretty good, I would say. Good for uh, me, isn't it? Well, I would say so. You, you, you ready to wind me up for what you went for tonight? Uh, always, always, John, always. Good, good. I've got a joke prepared this week. Um but I'll save it for later. This is what this is the lens I'm going to now. I'm actually preparing bad jokes for the podcast. And I've actually made it intentionally bad because I think the bad ones are more enjoyable, to be fair. Um, You're going to have to do well to beat Ern's one, um, Ern Greaves one this afternoon on Twitter. It was that good, was a... aye. It was good. It was a positive joke. Yeah, aye. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, do you want to introduce one of our other guests that you have obviously interviewed and been lucky enough to be on his podcast as well? Yes, so we have um England fan um, and host of the Three Lions podcast, Russell Osborne, who I've interviewed and he's interviewed me, and he's kindly agreed to come back on. Welcome back, Russell. Hello there. Yeah, for my sins, I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna uh, what I'm walking into here, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me uh, having me on, John, John, and uh, and Scott. It kind of feels like it could be a potential wrestling handicap match. Like there's a three Scots, um, and you've been joined by another member of the group. Uh, group D. So again, someone that you've been lucky enough to have on your podcast, yeah, uh, Lovery from Croatian Footy Podcast. How are you doing, Lovery? Uh, I was better before the Euros. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Aye. Well, I suppose just now we'll call you a friend. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that is completely fair <laughs> to say. Can we uh, for the match? So pleasure having you on. Obviously, for ourselves. 
we don't maybe know kind of quite as much about yourselves in terms of the Scottish point of view because we've not spoken to you before. Um, I've listened to your Euro preview podcast, so you did say some kind words about Scotland. So, so far, you're in the good books. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was fair to you, but I wasn't expecting us to be this this bad, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I suppose like we'll start off with yourself in terms of that. So um how did the Croatian footy podcast come about, first of all? Uh, uh, so I started the account in June 2019 after the match against Wales in the qualifiers. Then I how I gradually started getting followers, I was kind of getting the idea of a podcast because nobody was doing it in English. Yeah. So I just yeah. decided to do it in February. Okay. 2020. So are you in Croatia? Are you based in the UK or? Yes, I am in Croatia. You're in Croatia. Right. Um, good, good. So, in terms of guests that you've had on, who's been the, your best guest you've had on, would you say? Uh, I had a, I actually had a Scottish person, but we talk, We only talked about the first INL because he, he's a pretty pretty good viewer. Uh, Russell, uh, what, what's his name? Oh my God. I, I feel so, I feel so bad now. I think it's Russell Wilson. Right, okay. Pretty good dude. Um, no worries. I think the closest we've had to a Croatian being on the podcast was when Kevin Harper put Robert Prozanecki in his best 11. No, I haven't actually. No, but uh, one of the guys we had on the podcast, that was one of the players he picked in his best 11. So Robert Prozanecki was there. He was a great player. Great player. He smoked about 80 fags a day, didn't he? That was what he was known for. But it's a stroll through games. But, uh, so your expectations of the tournament before you come in, uh, Lovely, what, what did you think? Uh, I, I want us to finish second, obviously, much much easily than we, we we can still finish second. In some kind of way, we can finish third and we can get knocked out. But I want us to have it done by, well, to have a, an easy match against against Scotland. But obviously, we are mm-hmm. heading into it. <laughs> we are heading into it uh, uh, on the back foot. Yeah, I suppose like the big game, obviously for everyone in the group was England. Like England are the the best team in the group, rankings wise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Croatia, though, like a kind of weird one, obviously with Croatia. I think we, I don't know uh, what it's like in Croatia and how you guys feel, but from an outsider's point of view, I don't know if this is the same for you, Russell, in England, it's felt like Croatia are a team on the, the not the sli- well a bit at the slide because it's an older team, um, experienced team, and there's maybe a kind of slight injection of youth getting added now with like the Guardiola. Um, and obviously there's players up here familiar with in Scotland like Barisic who you've been unlucky to miss so far in the tournament haven't you? Yeah we have we, we, we need those crosses because Guardiola really cuts in because he's a right footed left back so uh, that's kind of destroying our left left side so that's why we kind of need Barisic Yeah but is, is that the perception in Croatia as well that you kind of feel like it is an agent side and well, that we we have, we have a slight altercation now with Dalic because his uh, how he picks the starting eleven is really really bad. I mean, it's obvious what we need, and it only seems he miss he's missing it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you thought yourself, Russell, in terms of coming into a tournament. What you uh, can expect of Croatia? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think we when the the group came out, we. As as English, we thought we're going to top this, um, and then you look at look down at the the levels of the teams, and you think Croatia, well, World Cup finalists. Yeah. Um, we know their capabilities over the past, well, since since they became a nation, really. I mean, you can go back to ninety eight, 
when yeah. when they were a, a surprise, well, perhaps not a surprise team because '96 as well, I believe they were there. Um, so they've and you've mentioned some of these players like Prozanecki, those players throughout the years, um, and you think, well, they are always a team capable of of doing well. Um, and three years ago, World Cup finalist knocked us out in the semi final, um, and you immediately think, well, they're they're going to have quality. Um, and I just think that they are now like in this transitional period and it's they really are in a transitional period, perhaps more than we uh, than we appreciated they actually are looking in from the outside. Um, I mean, Modric, you, you, you will know what sort of player he is, what he's capable of, what he's done in the past. But now without the players around him, um, and I've spoken with with Louvre before, um, some have, have retired. Um, I don't know if I think there was an injury to one as well who hasn't made the squad. Um, and all of a sudden, they're just not the team that we expected them to be. And and yeah, I, th- I think they are now possibly in a, uh, a transitional period. And, and it might be a couple of years before we see, or a couple of tournaments before we see them back to a, a reckoning force again. Yeah, I think Mandzukic was, um, and just before the tournament, I think that's who you're referring to. I think they're really missing him. Did Rakitic, um, who played for Barcelona, retire? Or yeah, he did. He retired from national duty last November. Mm-hmm. I think though, when you look yeah, at it, that's a big that's, well. that's that's the big experiences in the midfield because I think prior to the tournament was at 254 caps between Brozovic, Modric, and uh, Kovacic. Um, I know Modric probably has about half of them, but still, it's like a very experienced midfield. Um, where that been moved to other part, other parts of the team aren't quite functioning right, aren't they? Um, yeah, but we have a very good depth in the midfield. I think there's still a lot of players that missed out in the squad. I think could definitely be on the bench and could definitely replace even Brozovic or even Modric. But yeah, I mean we're we're pretty good for replacements. But uh, Dalic is uh, if, uh, I I don't know what to say about Dalic this tournament. Yeah. Where would you say it was predominantly going on for Croatia at the moment? And we're setting up ourselves up for a fog here because obviously we play on Tuesday. But I don't know if we're trying to get in sometimes a psychology whereby we like rise even further because even for us to think that we could beat Croatia, I know it's a Hamden, but Croatia, as Russell pointed out, and we all know you're in the bloody even finals. Like you're a bloody good team. Yeah, we are, but uh, that is just we. As, as Russell said, we are in the transition. I I confirmed it on his podcast. But Dalic is kind of relying on the older players. I don't know why, because there's obviously more talent than the younger players. They're showing much more than than the older players, and the older players are still getting the chance. So that's kind of where we're going wrong. Yeah. So, what about yourself, Scott? What do you reckon overall so far, Croatia? Yeah, I think it's always it's always great to have a Modric in your team until you rely on him too much. And then if he's shows a wee kind of bit of fatigue or anything like that, then everything just seems to start going wrong. The the defence, I'm not over, overly um, sure about the defence as well. Um, but I think in the second half against the Czechs, they, they did look better. They looked, looked as if they were coming into a better form in that, that game. Uh, is it 
Petkovic, is that how you say it? Um, Bruno Petkovic looked much yeah, yeah, better. That's, that's how you say it, yeah. Yeah, he looked much better up front than Revic did. Um, so that, I think it would be interesting to see if that's you know maybe a, a change for the Scotland game. But for Scot for for Scotland, we can't write off a nation, any nation, never mind Croatia. So that's you know if we're going to beat Croatia, we still have to be our best. Simple as that. Oh yeah, there's little doubt of that. Um, I mean, the opening game, I only saw part of the opening game against England. I think both teams, I thought, it was, it was a kind of tough game. I think almost like I can almost cancel each other out in a way. To an extent, I didn't, from what i seen, I didn't think that England was like much better than Croatia, but um, I, I missed the first hour. So I don't know what you but, thought yourself, Russell, with that game. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I I kind of think we, we didn't kind of get out of sight third gear really but it never looked like we were ever going to get out of third gear we didn't need to um because Croatia didn't offer a great deal uh, I think they had a period of what just before half time and 10-15 and minutes afterwards um but they were never going to threaten they didn't seem to offer enough um to warrant scoring um yet we didn't I mean, obviously we did score, um, but we didn't, it wasn't as if we were going to go out and blitz them like we'd blitz teams to qualify for the tournament. Okay, yeah. like in between then and now, um, it, things have changed. Um, but yeah, we it, we certainly didn't uh, sort of go all guns blazing and, and sort of raise confidence going into the next game, which I'm sure we'll get onto at some point. But um, yeah, we... It reminded me, Russell, of like a, a boxing bout where you'd found your range quite early on and you were just winning with a jab, you got the goal and you you just thought, well, that's enough. You know, that's take it easy. I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I think sometimes, again, because of the, the probably respect the teams have for Croatia, you don't want to go too much at it in case they, they count on you. So I, I think it was a... It was actually quite a smart performance, slightly. I think from from not slightly from Gareth Southgate. I think it was a kind of slightly edgy, but they they always seemed to be in control, so they they, they didn't need to go overboard and they got the win. So yeah, yeah. I'd take that. Yeah, I think when you consider as well, England had never won an opening game of the Euros, so the job is to win your opening game. You know, pretty much in this current format, you win your opening game, you've got a pretty good chance you'll end up in the knockout stages. So whether maybe the performance wasn't the greatest, in a way, it's a type of game that you kind of almost prefer to win because you've not been great and then you can build through a tournament. Um, yeah. That's the thing. That's what it's about, isn't it? You yeah, I mean, too early. That, that was one of those stats that it wasn't really sort of mentioned too much going into it. I mean, I knew, I mean, I mentioned it in, um, I mentioned it with our chat with, with Louvre. Um, that we hadn't won an opening game in the Euros. So to finally tick that off, I think is good. And someone I know or, or I read or something um, mentioned these little milestones that Gareth has put in place. He's won a penalty shootout. He's won a, um, a, an opening game at a Euros. There was something else um, as well. Just these little milestones that are being put in place um, that, that make that is it makes you feel a little bit better. Um, whether it's enough to to see us through in this tournament, I'm not sure. But but things are things are good, just not good enough. Yeah, 
it was interesting as well. I thought we only discussed this a bit last week, but the players that combined for the goal, Phillips and Sterling, I think most England fans would probably not have either in the team. Well, I mean, the before the the tournament, um, Sterling obviously hadn't had a uh, a good a good run into the tournament. I don't think well, he obviously hadn't played in the two friendlies, the Austria and the Romania one. Uh, a lot of people were saying no, he doesn't need to play. And when he scored. Um, on, well, sorry, just going back a little bit. I, I kind of thought that he would Southgate would play him because Southgate has his favourites. I mean, you, yeah. get, you can go back to the 2018 World Cup. Um, Fabian Delph um, he was one of those players that had always been one of his uh, his favourites. Had played regularly. Eric Dyer, another one. Which, to be fair, it was a little bit of a surprise when he uh, he didn't make the cut this time. Um, so to see Sterling in the in the lineup didn't really surprise me and when he scored it almost felt like it was reminiscent of Alan Shearer in Euro 96 for those that may remember Euro 96 didn't you Russell yeah he had an absolute <laughs> sorry go on say that one again I... I'm saying you had to bring up Euro 96 like we, we've been we've we've been uh, what we've seen Gaza's goal more than we've seen our family in the last 15 months um yeah, no, I will. I'm sure we'll get onto that as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Euro '96, obviously. I mean, going into that, Shearer hadn't scored. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe eleven games was that something like that? It was something like it was, that, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was like spread like over a long period. Yeah. yeah, spread over a long period of time. So there, at the time, there was a lot of like, oh, Shearer, Shearer shouldn't play. He hasn't scored. Um, obviously, goes into the Switzerland game, um, scores there, scores in the next game. Scores in the next game twice, so yeah. so to see Sterling score, um, I mean, is is a good confidence booster for him. Yeah, I think it, I think from what we were talking about, we expected he probably would play. And there's the guys that usually managers trust players, and I suppose if you're trying to bring in some younger players, you need that experience of like some maybe Walker and Trippier. That again, maybe wouldn't be everyone's first choice, but Walker, Trippier, Sterling, Kane, Henderson, that Henderson. Well, Henderson never played, obviously, but well, no, I mean for the experience side I, of thing, I think. But in terms both, of the starting lineup, they yeah. were all there, and you have that experience to let the likes of Phillips, Rice, yeah. who haven't been at tournaments before, yep, get helped out by these those older heads. Plus, as well, obviously, the defensive situation was uh, maybe a slight concern for England with Maguire being out. Yeah, um, it, perhaps again, it's um, been made a little bit too much of um, when he's brought in. Mings and to be fair, Mings again coming in. A lot of people said, "Oh no, don't want Mings. He's he's not good enough." And I, I personally think he's done he's done well these last two games. Um, so maybe not. We all know what Maguire's capable of and and being a, a solid defensive um, stalwart in the middle there. But at the moment, Mings has has covered more than adequately with Stones. I would think, um, just my observation of the game on Friday, I know we're going to talk a bit more about it soon, but I think Mings was England's best player on Friday night, yeah, I agree. in my honest yeah. opinion. Yeah. That interception he makes from Dykes is crucial, because if he doesn't get that ball, I think Dykes is heading that in. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Um, so kind of moving on, like maybe we can touch briefly on all the games. We've obviously already discussed the, the Czech game from our end at Scotland. Uh, Lovre, what did you kind of feel yourself for the England game? Uh, when I saw the starting lineup that Southgate chose, I, I had a lot of confidence because when I saw Mings 
and didn't see Sancho even on the bench. I, I, I was full of confidence. Then the match started, Foden hit that post. Then, I, then the confidence started slowly fading away. Halftime, we didn't have a chance. Second half, they scored, and after that, it, they just played it till the end and got the win. So nothing really to speak about except my confidence just dropped every every minute of the match. Yeah. Um, well, can I move on to your second game? I'll be honest. I was starting to get in the buzz for the England game, so I did have the Croatia Czech Republic game on, but I wasn't quite paying as much attention as I should have because I was trying to pump myself up because I was flat as a pancake so, uh, Friday morning in terms of trying to go up for the game. A few beers. Fair enough. Get into it. Um, how did you kind of feel in terms of the, the Czech game, in terms of improvement? Well, it, it, it was a bit uh, shaky heading into it because you know you need a win or at least a point. But... Um... Yeah, before the match, the, the starting eleven was out, and I, w- I didn't see Blasic in it, and I was mm, I, w- I was kind of shaky at that point, even a bit more shaky. I... Then the match started. Uh, the first few minutes didn't have anything really. The Czech had more of the ball, which was kind of uh, concerning for us. Yeah, and obviously they got that penalty and scored, it and we headed into the half. Uh, down one nil. Apparently, our players don't know how to score first. We we need we need to uh, concede first always, as we saw in the World Cup. We always conceded first. Uh, so yeah, our players turned turned around after a few substitute substitutions in the second half, and we kind of started playing better. But we only got one goal, and that was by Perisic, Vlasic, and Petković. Both both had great chances that could have, that could have definitely went in. And could have got us the win, but yeah, the Czech were were a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think we do. The Czechs were decent, but they've, I think they've surprised everybody in the group in terms of how good they've been. I don't think that was a penalty, though. If I'm being honest, they both went up with their arms, and you know, I, I don't think there's any sort of malicious intent. I don't think he's looked at them or anything. I think it's just he's got him by accident. It could have easily been the other way around. Um, so, I, you know, the Czechs are a funny one. I've not been convinced by them, but they've still got good results and I've not been unconvinced by them as well. So it's a funny side. Um, a, a lot of, I don't know if the keeper's good or he's lucky. I'm still on that kind of decision. To, a lot seems to go right at him, but he still produces the saves. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they get on against England. I suppose what they're a funny team, the Czechs, and um, from what I, I was just going to say, they're the funny team, the Czechs, because I mean, people forget they actually beat England in qualifying. I think it was England's first defeat since what, 2008, Russell? Uh, 2009, Ukraine? Which Ukraine away. Ukraine yeah. away. Um, yeah, I was there. For, oh, not the Ukraine, I was there for the Czech game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the, the, they've proven there that I had to say, but I think they're only a few places higher than us in the, the rankings just now. Um, but I watched them against Wales a couple of months ago um, in the World Cup qualifier. They actually looked better when they they had 10 men against Wales as 11 than what they did when it was both sides 11 and then both sides 10, which was um, a bit odd. But they also drew with uh, Belgium at home. So I think we underestimate think, well, they don't have the team that they had back in 2004 when they had Pavel Nedved and um, no, Jan Koller and Tom Zetsky, Karol Paborski, Baros, etc. Um, but I still had to say, I know we beat them twice in um, the Nations League, but I mean, there was mitigating circumstances the first one, let's be honest. And the yeah. second one, both sides had some players out. Um, yeah. So, but no, they're, 
definitely handy handy sides as we've unfortunately um, proven. But um, yeah, good goal by Perisic. Aye, we were probably loud into the false sense of security as well when like Italy beat them four 0 in the friendlies before the German. But now we've seen that Italy can do that to a good few teams. Um, but we, we also created chances against them. Though that's the thing. It's not, it's not that they dominated us. You know, they took their chances. We didn't. You know, it's as simple as that. And that's you know the beauty of or the beast with international football for us. Um, but you know, it, I just, it, it, as I say, they're, they're a funny side. They don't look, you know, they, they do look as if they give away chances, but they, they manage to get results. And they've certainly shown that in this tournament. It helps as well. They've got a striker in the form of his life as well. And he's awkward to play against. He's that yes. kind of slightly old-fashioned striker that yeah, you just don't want to play against. You would want him in your team, definitely. Um very clever player, but he's always be—he's always had that potential. He's all you know from a young age. I remember hearing about Stick, and I've, I've seen him various clubs. He has always had that potential, and it's you know he, he might just be one of those players that maybe at club level doesn't fully reach that potential, but in an international scene, he's a wee bit different, and he kind of gets himself up for it. But he, he has—he has looked very good at leading the line and his opening two games. Yeah, and Russell, did you see much of the? The Czech and Croatia game yourself? No, I've got to be honest. I the the Czech Scotland game. I only saw the highlights, and I was working. No, no, no. I was I was getting fired up, wasn't I? For, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for the Scotland game, so that I'm, is working. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's working. Yeah, I mean, I think no. I think I've only seen the goals once, and to be fair, I even when uh, when Scott was just talking about a penalty where they're both going up with their elbows or something. I, I can't even visualise that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going into to playing the Czechs, my only sort of sort of thinking is is looking back on the two games where where I've seen England play them. Uh, we played them at the beginning of the the qualification campaign where we stuffed them five nil at Wembley, uh, and then as as John mentioned there, when we went to Prague and lost two one. Um, so they are they are a decent team. And that's that's without a doubt, and and they've shown that shown that in this in the two games they've shown or the two games they've played so far. So going into the, the this final game of the Czech Republic, it's a it's a little bit sort of daunting to to especially on the back of like the the performance that we put in the other day. Um, so it could go either way really with so that's not part of the master plan though for England to finish second in the group and avoid France, Germany and Portugal wow, you'd hope not I mean it's, it's, but, but looking back no, at I'm the World Cup no, no, it's, it's... it's not guaranteed that either because say they, they were to lose the Czechs and we beat Croatia by more than two goals or Croatia beat us by more than two goals then it's you know it's kind of touch and go for England <laughs> after that so anyway, can't, well no, not not with the England Croatia, are guaranteed to I, finish above Croatia. Yeah, regardless. I was just about to say, I just I just figured that one out. But certainly, if, if we were to beat Croatia by more than two goals, which does seem very unlikely, but you know that does put a cat amongst amongst pigeons. So they can't probably they have to play to to win. And I think to be fair, like that's what Southgate will do: He'll play to win the group, especially after the performance that they had on Friday. I think they, they went to go gung ho. It probably will make some changes, but actual changes that the fans have been calling for for the last two games. Well, it certainly hasn't panned out the way we all anticipated, I think, it's safe to say. Team selection still an issue? Like, he's not getting the best out of the players or picking the right team? 
Oh, do you know, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a there's an issue possibly with Kane. Um, obviously, he came off on uh, both games, um, and you'd like to think there's there's nothing nothing there. And, and it actually occurred to me earlier today is sort of maybe echoes of. 1986 where Gary Lineker didn't score for the first two games um, and England drew and lost one and then the third game comes in scores a hat-trick so I mean this is could he could come into this Czech Republic game and and everything changes for him he could start on a another great run of form um, I think it's they've just got just got a get that um, sort of motivation up again. I, I, th- I think it's a happy camp. Um, had Kane's, been... But Kane's not guaranteed to start. Grant Hanley has to give him back first. So until <laughs> Grant Hanley gives him back, then Karasuke doesn't know if he can play him. I can't believe you're all laughing at this. Well, John is. Russell, you're laughing out of kindness. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, some of my jokes, they just get tumbleweed. I mean, it, it's shocking. Oh, everybody celebrates. Grant like you Hanley. said last week's about the delivery. Oh, aye, the delivery, aye. But, but, but Russell, what about Sancho? What's the? What do you think the, the reasoning that he's not even touched the turf yet? I I don't know. I mean, wasn't it the first game against um, Croatia? He wasn't even in the that he was left out of the the twenty three, I believe. Um, which is strange, considering we all know what he's capable of. He's um, like especially playing in Germany as well, he's got the European experience. Um, he came into the to the England team like in a blaze of glory, and I mean I remember seeing him score against Kosovo down at Southampton. Yeah, I mean he's he's a player that can just just burst, can't he? Um, and and he could he could really come of age if he plays against Czech Republic. Um, but why has been? Sorry to interrupt. You'd certainly think it even as an option off the bench. Last half hour when you're trying behind teams, surely yeah. he's got to be the guy that comes on. Well, I mean, him and him and Grealish are, are players like with that burst of speed and and can pick the ball up and run with it. Um, he's obviously brought Grealish in um, for the last game, but Sancho, oh, I, your guess is as good as mine. I, I haven't heard or read any reason as to why he hasn't been involved as yet. Um, but you just kind of hope. Well, it's a squad game. They are going to get their, uh, they are going to get their chance at some stage. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves as well, maybe a bit here. But does his teammate get in the the team for the the last game, Bellingham? So does he get in for? Yeah, Jude Bellingham, or do you think he just sticks with Phillips and Rice and Mount? Uh, I don't. I've I've always said about um, Bellingham. He's he's so young. Um, and and perhaps shouldn't be involved yet, but it appears he's he's more than ready to uh, to come into the equation. Um, as we've seen, um, what he's done in the uh, in the Bundesliga with Dortmund, he's he's more than ready. Um, whether he decides to to play him, I mean, he's already came in. I think he came on against Croatia right at the very end. Um, that's right, because he became the youngest youngest player in the tournament for yep. what a few days. Um, Will he play him or will he stick? I think he'll stick with with Rice and Phillips, to be honest. Um, he's stuck with those two for a good period of time uh, over the well, probably the World Cup qualifiers back end of back end of last year and, and the World Cup qualifiers this year. Um, I think he's going to stick with them. They just need to 
move forward a little bit more, move that ball forward rather than sideways. Um, yeah, uh, whether he'll bring Bellingham in, I, I really don't know. I think um, a guy that was dis- really disappointing so far this tournament has been Foden. I mean, I know he hit the post against Croatia, but um, he didn't really do much else in, in the game other than that. And against Scotland, he was anonymous so much so that um, he was taken off for uh, for Grealish. And that, again, in- increases the Sancho um, argument. But when Kane went off and after another performance, I was really surprised you brought in Rashford because he's not a number nine. The way we were defending, we weren't leaving space in behind. I would have thought he'd have brought on Calvert-Lewin because he's a natural number nine with Rashford if someone's going to run at you and that's going to be more problematic. But playing him as a number nine suited is the way we were playing. The yeah, only thing I thought that was like it was maybe to get a bit of pace through the middle. Part is in a different way. The Foden thing I thought was weird. He was like, Foden actually got asked to like basically hog the touchline. Almost as if he was getting asked to like stop Robertson getting forward or kind of Tierney. He wasn't getting asked to do the role that he plays for Man City where he's kind of tucked in a bit. And he can get be more, inv- be more involved. Uh, that was the feeling I got when I looked at Foden. Because there's no doubt, like, when you see Foden in the team, like, he's a bloody good player. Like, oh, yeah. apart from that haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's obviously gone for the attention seeking aspect there, hasn't he? And it, yeah. it may well have backfired on him a little. I mean, had he, <clears throat> excuse me, had he have scored that, that opener against Croatia after what, four minutes when he hit the post? It may have been a, a different story. I mean, with the with the Scotland game, no one performed really. So it, I, I don't know. But I mean, regarding Kane and and Rashford and Calvert Lewin, yeah, it was it was very much a surprise when when Kane came off and he brought Rashford on. I think I was I was standing there. I was talking to the guy next to me. I was saying he's got to bring on Calvert Lewin, really, if you can like for like. Calvert Lewin has done well for England, um, to his credit scored goals and perhaps that's what we he could have come in had 20 minutes getting ready for the next game um Foden uh, I I think just they're all suffering a bit of maybe a bit of pressure maybe a lack of confidence uh probably countering myself a little bit from what I said potential burnout as well Russell because they've played a lot of games so so as a lot of players throughout this um this last 18 months, if you look at every team in in the tournament, uh, I mean, all the big ones, all your Germanys, your Spains, your Italys, um, obviously Scotland as well, the players there, they've all had a a tough 18 months with, with longer seasons. Yeah, burnout it could be. Some of them are so young as well, aren't they? Um, it's their first tournament. It's a oh, whole multitude. I think the thing with Rashford again goes back to Southgate and who he trusts and who he's had the kind of longest period of time. I think it, it might feel as though he owed Rashford that chance to come on and, and prove himself uh, through the middle because he's had Rashford since taking on the job. And then uh, the, the thing I wonder about Foden is at Man City, you, you usually see him, if he's playing as a forward, he usually sits on the left-hand side, whereas Southgate's working him on the right. And again, I don't know if if you're maybe, you know, why don't play him where he actually plays? You know, it, it seems bizarre for me, because um, I remember all the years we, we would talk about England not having anybody that could play on the left, and now they're, they're moving somebody that plays on the left to play on the right. Um, so I wonder, you know, if it's just, he'd found a bit of confidence under Pep, playing in that position and then you suddenly swap him. Uh, 
and is it, has he made a wee rod for his own back with the Gascoigne haircut and the kind of look at me? Um, but as you say, it could have totally changed how they had he scored against Croatia. Um, but I still think, I, I think he's because he's young, actually works in his favour that he probably has more chance of playing himself into form. He just needs the right kind of game and that might come against the Czechs where he gets a wee bit more of the ball, a bit more confidence and that'll be him. As we can uh, cover the game, interesting to get, I think, a neutral's point of view, maybe first of all, to see what Lovery thought of it, first of all, because obviously we've got the slightly blinkered eyes, probably both sides. We've had a bit of time to reflect now since Friday, but Lovery, did you manage to see the Scotland-England game? Or sorry, England-Scotland. Uh, I, I only watched a part of the first half, so I cannot really comment that much, but I saw the highlights, and I and England, I, I kind of wasn't surprised because they didn't show that much against us, but I thought they were kind of hiding it. And they were gonna come up against you and just score like three, four. Like real but, um, thought, yeah, yeah. That, and then I just then then I watched the highlights and I I think you deserved more the win than the English did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly if we look at it, all, I think for ourselves we'd a bit surprised in terms of the bold lineup selection. We all wanted Gilmer to start. Did we think he was going to start? Probably not. Was it part of Steve Clark's master plan? Maybe it was. Um, like before the tournament, maybe he thought, because maybe he did mention that I'm going to have to like mix up the midfield a wee bit at some point. Maybe this was the game that he decided that Gilmore was suited for, horses for courses. Um, yeah, like we were, we were genuinely really, really good. I know we never scored. That's the frustration that we'll have and the performance will mean nothing if we don't do anything on Tuesday, but the pride was, we had the pride back. We were, yeah. We got what we wanted. We asked for more pride, passion, best for a brave team selection and, you know, just do do your best on the park and we got that. Unfortunately, yeah, we didn't get a goal but at the same time, we were fortunate not to concede early on, you know, Stone's header off the bar. So, you know, that's the way football works with luck sometimes um, but I, 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 we couldn't ask any more of them, I, I don't think, you know, and, and that's what, that that's why I'm 80% happier than I was on Monday because they gave us what we what we asked for. I, th- I can't find a single fault in any of the, the, the players. I thought they all played extremely well. Um, I mean, we were, we all called for at least um, a couple of changes. I, mean, we, I think um, the, the only one out of the four that dropped out that I thought was a little bit unlucky was Liam Cooper because he played very well. But of course, Tierney coming back in, um, you know, he was always going to walk straight back in that team and rightly so. Um, McTominay going back to right centre-back was a big call, um, but the right one because Jack Kendry didn't do enough in that game. Armstrong, as we said, was anonymous um, before. Um, and yeah, Christie obviously didn't do enough, so it was right to start Adams. But um Remember I said last week there's a reason why Steve Clark's the national manager and we are just talking on podcasts. Yeah. His defence of Stephen O'Donnell was brilliant. See, when you listen to what he had to say um, about the, the threat from the Czechs, um, did Stephen O'Donnell do a lot wrong? He's actually got a good point. Arm around the shoulder and Stephen O'Donnell was absolutely fantastic. And I was so gutted that his shot didn't go in. I really wanted that to go in for him. And as you know, I've obviously spoken to Stephen O'Donnell. Um, but... He was superb, but um, it, the whole team were excellent and we just missed one thing and that was the goal. Yeah, I think as well, Adoro, when you see his interview after the game, and I think it's something like we, we have touched on before in the podcast and maybe, maybe even touched on it last week. You kind of forget these guys are human. Much as they're earning, some of them are earning stupid, crazy money, 
like to hear things like to see things in the media, they see, especially now with likes of Twitter and stuff like that. You try and avoid it for like a guy who gives us all, regardless of whether someone thinks anyone should or shouldn't play, to be. I think there was folk being abusive, which there's no need for. You can maybe say someone didn't play particularly well in that day, um, but to be abusive and getting abuse online, no need for that at all. You see him getting interviewed. You heard Andy Robertson kind of having a wee word with him and stuff like that, building him back up. Clark trusts him and he's a manager, which we all know. You could see how much it means for him to play for Scotland. He's living the dream. And I suppose I think we were all thinking at the end of the game, we are all Stephen O'Donnell. Like, Let me yeah. say, I think we can't go too much the other way as well, though. It, it does, it did, in my opinion, he did deserve a wee bit of criticism for his performance against Czech Republic. Nobody's I think above say that, that. Nobody's above that. I think if it touches on a, being abusive, then that is totally wrong. And I don't think we should be overly critical. But at the same time, when he does something and has a, a very good game, we then should all come out and say he was absolutely fantastic. And that's exactly what happened. And it, it takes a, a lot of bottle to come back from you know, the criticism they got to then, in our biggest game, produce that kind of performance. And, you know, I'm more than happy to say that I was wrong in terms of he should have started against England and he proved me wrong in that instance. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say same. Um, no, I, I thought Nathan Patterson should have started, but um, that, again, shows why Steve Clark is doing what he does. Um, I think, the th- I mean, Stephen has all, to be fair to him, said himself he didn't have the best of games against the Czechs, but um, there were worse performers than him in that Czech game. Three of them got left out. Um, so, and the other thing, a lot of people have a go. At him. There was things that, that, that were being said like he's the worst player Scotland ever had. Do you ever remember guys like Robbie Stockdale and uh, you know Paul Devlin and guys like? Oh, that? I mean, they should have got a game for the amateurs and all that type of thing and stuff like that. Oh, uh, football, Scott Dobbin, you know, like... Michael Stewart. You know what I'm on the podcast is. Yeah, I, I, I quite like Michael Stewart, to be honest. I'd like, I wouldn't mind him on. Um, the other guy as well, who we've not been critical of, but we've just been like under, like not impressed by his performances over the last maybe 18 months or something like that. I thought, again, another guy, Callum McGregor, I thought was terrific. Yeah, like, I say the whole team was terrific, but I think was a, guys were asked to play certain roles and everyone took hand at their job. When we all picked our midfield, I don't think anybody picked McGinn, McGregor and Gilmore. They may have picked McGregor, they may have picked Gilmore, but I don't think anybody would have had the two of them. And again, you have to hold your hand up and say Steve Clark played a masterstroke. And everybody was talking about, and I was one of them, McGregor's burnt out and all the rest of it, although I did say he would cut, I think he would be good for possibly the Croatia game and it proved against England as well. He had the experience. And the thing that I, I, I thought as soon as I heard that he was playing for, against England, was his old firm experience. He knows how to handle an atmosphere and a kind of derby occasion more than most. Um, but he he was fantastic. Um, but our whole midfield, I think that's where we certainly were better than England was in the midfield. And that's, you know, credit to all the midfielders. Yeah, because Martin- Grant Handler again. Um, <clears throat> no, we've criticised that you talk about players who get um, pillared from fans. Grant Handley has been number one target for quite a while. And we can all safely say that we've um, criticised his performances as well but Steve Clark again says right just go and defend that's all you need to do and he was superb again on, uh, on Friday night 
Aye. No, he's our player of the tournament so far, I think, Grant Hanley. Yeah, so far, let's not jinx it because <laughs> <laughs> we need him to keep that form up and not let the hype go to his head. Yeah. Do you know you've brought with the pessimism back, John? It's just that fine line, isn't it? We're all at that fine line now, right? We were up to the nines before the check game. After the check game, we were about, what were we at, 20%, 30%? 20 max, I think. Scott's now, at, Scott's now at 80 I don't think I'm quite at 80 Yeah, I think I'm maybe 60% maybe. Depending on what time of day it is. What about just now? Well, that's Sunday, Sunday night. Monday. I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm a nervous wreck already and it's, well, it's only like. Sunday night. I've seen you um, before uh, Aberdeen games and uh, uh, this I'm is the opposite because I'm this like is... constantly in your ear like, I'm going to do this and all that. Uh, you are kind of a bit more pragmatic and not going to do it with Aberdeen. And then it's like the Scotland thing again, like history, transfer history. That's what it is on Tuesday. But if we still need to come on tape, love it. Apologise, you're sitting here listening to us talk about Scotland, and um, but we're probably going to talk about this Scotland England game for maybe a while. But from your point of view, Russell, do you ah. think that England slightly underestimated us? I, I spoke on on my on on the Freelance podcast with a. Um, with a guy, Dom Smith from uh, englandfootball.org. And he he said perhaps Scotland done done extra homework on England than England done on Scotland. Um, and whilst I probably agree with him, I'd like to think that wasn't the case. Um, yeah, we, there's so many things with the England-Scotland fixture that we all know as going into it as supporters, you your, your heart and your head are, are everywhere, aren't they? You, you don't know what to think. You don't know where to look. You don't know what hand to pick your pint up with. You, it's just, you, you just don't know what to think. Um, and yes, I, I seriously think that as, as England supporters, we went in overly confident and, and yes, I think perhaps the team did as well. And perhaps they, perhaps they kind of bought into the, I mean, I don't tend to read mainstream media, um, I have to be honest, um, but I can imagine that many of the players have, have picked up newspapers on the day of the game, just they read the back page and all of a sudden, yeah, it just drips into your head, little little things like that. And it, yeah, it, it backfired. Um, we didn't perform, we didn't turn up. There was there was a slight change in, in the selection that Southgate made the two um fullbacks Reese James and um Trippier, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. 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 Yeah. Sure. I was sure. surprised it was Shaw that came in, not Chilwell, to be honest. I think Chilwell's by far the better of the two. Personally, I, I would have taken Chilwell. Um and they neither of them seem to have, have that much impact as um as possibly they would have hoped. Um it was almost as if they'd been asked to stay back. Yeah, there was there was no, no going up the wings like we know they're they're capable of. Uh, I know Shaw had a an effort sort of midway through the second half, but it it was a fullback shot, wasn't it? Um, uh, Phillips didn't have the game again. Perhaps perhaps that game against Croatia went to his head ever so slightly. Um, See, when you're saying about homework, though, is that maybe where I because th- I thought on homework basis, I thought Phillips was a big threat because if Phillips gets hold of the ball, he'll just dictate play. That's where but, I think we were clever when it, our midfield selection because that wasn't allowed to happen. 
Well, I, I was watching the ITV, not the STV coverage, um, more for Super Ally McCoy than anything else. But Sam Matterface, uh, who John interviewed uh, previously, did make a good point about Steve Clark and how that game's kind of made for Steve Clark as a manager in terms of being the kind of underdog and getting the team right up for getting into the opposition's face in that sort of aspect. Do you remember? Maybe Rick Kamarnock against Rangers and Celtic. It always had that kind of feel. And I think that's where Russell's going to like about um, the homework side of things. I think he probably did work in certain aspects just to kind of unsettle and kind of keep it tight for that amount of time and then push forward to get your get the full backs up and stuff like that. So um, I think that is where Steve Clark probably is at his best. It was, an, it was niggly, especially the first half, um, which possibly broke the, the fluidity down of, of the game and, and we didn't have a chance to to really pick the ball up and, and run at you, um, which is which is why I thought while Grealish came on sort of second half, we know that he can p- take the ball, he can run, he can draw players in, he can get fouls. But it, and sort of that that was how it was sort of early in the in the first half. But it just didn't um uh didn't need to it just just didn't work out, really. Just didn't work out. There was no probing passes. There was no kind of through balls and stuff that I was expecting from a Foden or a Mason Mount, um, or even a Phillips. And I think once that kind of stopped becoming a threat almost, Scotland just grew into the game even more. Um, and a quick point on another Scottish midfielder, John McGinn. I thought he was a fantastic performance considering he got that yellow card early on. I was really worried but then he just gave a kind of disciplined performance, didn't jump into anything, didn't get into... I think he learned not to really get into the referee's ear. That wasn't the, the, the brightest move. So um, I think, as I say, it could have been so different when Stone scored that early, you know, that early chance for England. Yeah. I think that was a kind of turning point for everything yeah. as well. Yeah, I think his, look- um, that, that first 10 minutes... Sorry, I don't know your stuff. Speaking no, no, sorry. Well, it's basically just England were the dominant team at that point. So it could, if they had scored at the, the peak time, then it could have been a, a really poor result for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that Stone's chance and then the Mason went, went straight away afterwards when um, Scott McTominay was caught in possession. Um, you know, you're worried that it's going to be a long night. Um, but, you know, we grew in the game, as you say. We, we became disciplined, we became controlled. And even at the start of the second half when... Um, Andy Robson makes a great interception um, from uh, across and then Mount has a shot, which is well said by Marshall. After those particular instances, we managed to ride it, you know, ride that out and control the game again. And it wasn't like it was, apart from the Stramash right at the very end, it wasn't like it was like last-ditch defending all the time. We weren't necessarily needing to throw bodies in the line. It was, they stood up to England and, you know, stopped, nullified the threats. So much so that Sterling, I mean, I, maybe I'm being slightly blanker with the um my assessment on the the penalty incident but he clips his own heel um to try and um buy one for the although there are, I mean there is contact but I think he was already on the way down when the contact happened. That's um, where I think it's not a penalty. Should have been booked. That's another issue but um the, the main problem, thing was then give a penalty. The problem with that because me and my, I was watching it with my nephew and we both looked at each other and we saw the replays and the biggest problem with that is VAR, and it, you could have went. You know, it, it just depends who's watching and who who the referee is. Um, I, I would, I, 
I thought it was a penalty, but if it had been given, you wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised just because of the introduction of VAR. I'll be honest. I mean, from where I was standing um, inside the ground, when he went down, obviously everyone was in up in arms, shouting for a penalty. I was. It was probably what ten o'clock to me in my my viewing perspective everyone's up in arms shouting for a penalty but I, I turned to my friend off like afterwards and I just said no I don't think it will be um and I, I did they do a VAR check on it I don't think so did if they, they did it, it didn't come up on the, no. the commentary because uh, as I say I, I think normally the you. I was just gonna say normally with VAR what they do is they say in the referees here we're needing to check this because yeah. they're watching the game in live time as well. And if some flags up, they'll they'll then say, right, let's check this again. There obviously mustn't have been enough for them to do that on this occasion. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. It was a penalty. England don't score penalties. <laughs> Apart from in Euro Germans against us, actually. But um, but <laughs> I, I, well, actually, that's true. Really penalties have been awful. Like generally, like was it two out of six? Five out of nine now. I think five out of nine. Yeah, there's, a, there's been a few out of six. So. I would, just going back to that, um, the the sort of the, the goal mouth scramble come melee. What was it like? Two minutes towards the end, I have call to be honest. Marsh in Scotland. It was what? Sorry, call it Marsh in Scotland. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I from where I was standing, so many people jumping up and down, and there was the the camera behind the goal was swinging in front of it, and you could just see there was a mass of bodies, just all what appeared to be kicking each other at it. I've no idea quite what was happening. I, I haven't actually sat and watched the proper highlights of it as yet. Um, so I don't know how close that was to even remotely coming to to anything. No, I think McTominay kind of shielded it pretty well and had his Did arms it. out the road and stuff. And yeah, and then obviously it broke and Tierney just walloped it clear. Quite I think it, it just it's one of those kind of melees that looks good until you see it on telly close up. No, again, it cleared it. The beginning I think there was a foul anyway. Uh, so it's, it's um, yeah, it, 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 it always looks good. And then if you get to kind of look at it properly, it, it didn't, I don't think it ever looked as if it was ever going to go in because McTominay was so well placed. Right. Yeah, John, you spoke earlier about there wasn't much last cast defending, but maybe at the other end, Barry's James, the header from Dykes. I don't know if it was going in. I couldn't quite decide whether it was going on or not, but still, James does really, really well to, to get ahead on it in the back oh. post. You don't see it happen enough, actually, in football. You know, players at back post, front post covering, and you give credit there to these James, much as it was against us. Yeah, no, whilst, whilst we said he didn't get forward enough um, to, to cover on that back post there, I think it, it may have gone in. It may have gone in off the post, or it may have just bounced out um, and Pickford may have just it may have just bounced into his arms, but it it was certainly on target. And, and credit to Rhys James, he was in the right place at the right time. Um, and that's the thing, you know, for Rhys James, um, you know, he's not going to take that chance. Uh, you know, he's he's just got to get that clear. And you know, we mentioned about England maybe not doing as so much homework, but they must have done something because they also brought James in for Walker. Because they were thinking about Robertson Tierney, thinking that Tierney was also going to be back. I don't know necessarily why Shaw was in at the other end. I think Shaw maybe was in for an attacking sense to have a go at O'Donnell. Not that he did it much. 
certainly not the first half anyway. I know you get forward once in the second half, but as I said, um, why did so? Why they didn't put Chilwell as another thing? So they must have done some homework. Um, but I think, I mean, we can sit here and say biasly, um, Scotland were a little unlucky not to win. Maybe when balance a draw was um, probably the right result because they probably had similar amount of chances each when you think about it objectively. And uh, um, but we were taking a point beforehand, so we've got that. Sure. So I just want to ask you because you're also at the game. Did you mingle with any um, Tatanami beforehand? What did you make the pre-match atmosphere? Uh, well, to be honest, when I, uh, as I mentioned to yourself, I think I live about 40, 50 minutes outside of London on the train. So I live in a little town called Ware in Hertfordshire. No, we're not going for that gag. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I actually met a, um, a couple of Scottish lads who were in my local train station waiting to go for the game. Uh, they didn't have tickets. And I, I sat on the train just chatting to them. Um, we had a good old chinwag just talking talking football. Um, I went down to Wembley straight away because I had a um, I had an interview with ITV that I'd done, and there was loads of um, Scottish fans in and around Wembley Way. Gee, it was just all good fun there. It, I mean, bearing in mind then it was only what was it? Uh, it was probably middayish, so eight hours still until kickoff. Loads of people just getting down to see. Wembley basically uh headed back to Liverpool Street there was Scottish fans in and around Liverpool Street area and then I headed back to Wembley for what half past four five o'clock time and yeah there was it was a real atmosphere really starting to build groups of Scottish fans all congregating together basically it was like a sing-song across either side of Wembley Way um, Scots singing one and then English fans singing back and it, it was good natured um, there there was I'm not aware of any any trouble that happened there was before I mean the police came along and shifted a lot of us on because they didn't want people congregating basically and and it happened to be outside one of the uh, like the off licenses there so they moved us on and and it was a case of like a lot of the, the Scots would come past it was like a few fist pumps with each other. Um, it was all, all good nature. Then you get into the ground um, and uh, it's, it's so frustrating at the moment with you're only allowed a, what was it, 20, 22,500 in the ground. If, if it had been 90,000 that we know Wembley can hold, it would have just been raucous for a, for a game like that. Okay, we've had the friendlies in the past or, or World Cup qualifiers, but to actually have a tournament game it, it would have been really amazing, but but to to the Scots credit, they they made some noise even though they were distanced um, around the uh, around the stadium. Uh, I don't know if if an email came round to, to Scottish fans, but there was one that came round to to England fans. Basically, basically said, "Do not boo." the national anthems and all that. And, you know, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. And, uh, and I actually said on the uh, on the Free Lions podcast, um, like, here come the national anthems. They've told us not to boo. Take a listen to this. And literally, it was just a, 
cacophony of booze from both sides. But that, yeah, that we've done the same. Like course. I've been to many give it Hamden, and unfortunately, Anthem's and not and not just Anthem, Anthem. I've heard it, other teams, which I'm never happy with. I always think it's disrespectful. There's no need for it. Uh, but it's always going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you put a letter out saying don't don't do it. That's <laughs> I mean, that's just going to go right. Okay, it's red rag to a bull. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's just it's just like don't travel. <laughs> the biggest uh, thing I heard with the police was some Scottish guy jumping out naked out a window. So if that's your biggest concern, then that's just a, an ordinary Saturday night in Sucky Hill Street, really. I think so. there was a naked guy in one of the parks i seen, like, dancing about and celebrating. But there's another, there's a video I saw um, earlier. I, I don't know where about so England it was, but it was, like, all the Scotland fans celebrating, sitting and all that type of thing. And some girl uh, basically flashed them at the, at the window. And uh, it was a very nice pair. Uh, talking of nice pairs... So the old enemy, the old enemy for us, we all know now, is hairs on your balls. We have paired up with Manscaped. You can get 20% off using SFF Podcast, all capitals at uk.manscaped.com. You can get the lawnmower, so trim downstairs, get your salt tire, or your St. George's Cross. Bit more difficult with the Croatian flag. I don't know what kind of part and how we would manage to, to get that in there. Rather like the recheck, the wee... Squares. It would be very selective. Would be very <laughs> intricate with that one. Like you'd have to be like maybe like in a, a a garden designer or something like that for for that kind of stuff, um, or a professional beautician. Um, so yeah, you're rather like a wee kind of shed, like double circles here. You could do it that way, spread it. Yeah, you could. But I think we're, we're more looking for the as we've said last week. We're more looking for the the baldy John. Uh, or the Lombardo, that kind of style. That's what we're looking for, uh, basically. The young team, we know, like we've talked about young team, we never even mentioned Billy Gilman and how good he was, but the young team, they love all that kind of stuff. So is that what you're going to try and get? You're going to try and make this about Billy Gilmore manscaping? Is that what we're doing now? Not Billy Gilmore, because we all know after last week, Ronaldo is the the Euro manscaper of the year. Um, I think we've known that for a long time, to be fair. So, yeah, just... Get involved. Father's Day was today, but if you never got a Father's Day present for your dad, get one now. We know your greatest enemy, John. That's the grey hairs in the boss. But we've talked about that already. It helps. <laughs> they kind of go a wee bit white, and then once the salt tire's done, we better dyed blue and we're, we're sorted. We're all good to go. So, aye, get involved. Um, yes, the group, the Lovery. We now need to preview the last couple of games. Apologies, you've had to listen to us rabbit on about Scotland, England. Um, how are you feeling confidence-wise going into our game at Hamden on Tuesday? Uh, uh, worried. I am very worried because we can very well get knocked out if we draw, if we draw a lot or lose. Uh, we need the win. By, I, I think we need to win by two goals if we want to at least battle in the round of 16. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very tough, but I hope uh, Dalic picks the right starting eleven this time because it's been two matches. I think he already sees what what players can do what and what players can can't do, what the others can. So uh, I'm hoping for a two 0 win, three one maybe. I I wouldn't like to concede. I would just like it. I would just like for our, for us to score two goals and get it done with. The, the crazy thing is Croatia and us for similar sizes. You've been tremendous in tournaments and stuff like that. Croatia have yet... I shouldn't be saying this. Croatia haven't no, beaten no, Scotland. 
Yeah, we haven't beaten you. I think we have like three draws and two losses to you. Um, Something so like I, that. So actually, ideal, it'll be three losses and three draws after. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> listen, <laughs> there's always a first time for everything. And we saw well, that in the first game against England because we, we haven't lost a single game at the start of the Euros and then we lose one to England. So yeah, I, I'm hoping we can break the record. John, you you've obviously been mentioning um, that I'm the more um, negative one at the two of those, two of us, um, but there's a couple of omens that could actually um, swing me um, right, the other way on. because talk to me, just talk mentioned, right. So first of all, we've not um, lost to Croatia, so that's obviously a positive. But at Euro '92, we didn't score in our first two games, and then beat the CIS three 0 Yeah, um, obviously then Mark is worried out by that point. At Euro 96, we didn't score in the first two games. Yep. Scored in the third one, won the game. Yep. I know we went out. So, this could be lightning again. Um, we haven't scored in the first two games. We'll score this one, we'll win. You know, all I'm hearing, Hopefully that'll be enough this time. But we went out. That's all I'm hearing from you there. It was a new era. Well, maybe it's the third time we're in that regard. It's time to be heroes. <laughs> like, we are. Yeah. I'm well, that's what some result is... worries me from today. Yeah, yeah. I well. Um, yeah, I said to Mrs. all day that it's one of my uh, ambitions before I die to see us get a group, which might be considered quite kind of a, a, kind of limited, a limited ambition. But when it's you've been a small fan... You, it's got nothing to do with you. You've got no say in that whatsoever. I know I've got no say in it, but I, I, I don't, not an ambition, but I hope. Not a bit like, here, I'm only 42. I could make a call for the, the World 42? Cup. You're like 62. Oh, come on. You look older than me. Um, <laughs> you must. But that's, that's the hope. That's always been the thing. We need to get out of the group stage at least once. And then I'll, but then, then you start getting bloody hyperball, thinking crazy. Like if, a, if Croatia, a similar size does, can get to a final. If Greece can win the Euros. I mean, we, we had that crazy talk before. Denmark. We'll be happy just now, group stage. Get out of the group stage, please. That's what I want. And anything after that would be a bonus. But we know that Croatia are a really good team. And Lovre... I like the Croatians. Lovre, who, so who do you want to see starting then? Uh, the preferable starting eleven would be Livakovic, Barisic if he, if he can play, but it doesn't look like he will be, so Guardiol, Vida, Chaleta Tsar, uh, Versalco at right back, and then the midfield of Modric, Brozovic. I, I would play a 4-2-3-1, so the three that behind the striker would be Perisic on the left, Vlasic in, in behind the striker, uh, maybe Rebic on the right and Petkovic or maybe even Ante Budimir uh, as, as the striker. Yeah, and I listened to your podcast, the Euros preview, and you were thinking that Vlasic would be the one that would be the breakout star from international level at this tournament. So is this the kind of game you think he's suited for? Uh, I think he's suited for it. I, I, he, he, he's, uh, he was great in the qualifiers. I, he, I think he was one of the best players in the qualifiers. For the Euros, I think he really showed what he's what he's built up, what he can do, and uh, I, I just hope the Dalish starts him. I, I, I'm hoping for, I, I'm hoping for it since the start of the Euros, uh, and it, it's still to happen. So hopefully against Scotland, he plays him. And is that just because you're kind of manager and co? He, he tends to be a bit pragmatic. Uh, well, Dalic is a bit of a strange manager this time, but uh, I, 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 I love Blasic, so that's kind of why I, why I kind of adore him. He's uh, from my boyhood club, so uh, that's kind of a 
added bias, let's say, but I, I think he's got it. He's the Croatian Billy Gilmore, obviously. <laughs> well, from our point of view... <laughs> you could uh, say that, way. From our point of view, do we reckon no changes? Or do you I think, wouldn't make any changes. Or do you um, think Clark's got a master plan and I get each game he's thought, <laughs> this is what I can maybe do? And that's what you need to concentrate on as a game. You can Sometimes it's maybe easy to go, right, aye, great performance. But do you maybe change it for playing Croatia? I don't know if he maybe takes past that. I, I don't think he will. I would maybe think about dropping Dykes and just playing Fraser or Forrest. Probably Fraser and around Adams. I thought Adams showed again why he's our top uh, striker and just add a wee bit more pace because, again, that Croatian defence, I think they would they'd be able to handle Dykes, the physicality of Dykes, um, but maybe a wee bit more pace might be a, an interesting one. But I think he probably will go with the same team because they did so well against England. The thing we've got to consider as well, though, um, is how's the fitness going to be? Because obviously we put so much into that game and we didn't make a change until 75 minutes when Armstrong came on for Gilmore. I must say Armstrong did pretty well when he came on. So he, he might... I mean, I was in the Hamden North podcast. Um, no, we shout to Andy Barsi. He managed to commentate in the game for Talksport for Scotland, which was good of him. Um, but we were trying to sit, um, you know, predict Steve Clark's lineup, and he made the point beforehand that We've done this many times. We've tried to guess Steve Clark's lineup, and then he throws a couple of curveballs, and he did again on Friday night. Um, you know, with the selection that we did by moving McTominay back in, Brian Gilmore, etc. So we can sit here guessing that it will be the same team, or there might only be one change. But you just never know, and it's a good problem to have because we've got those options that, that we maybe didn't. That curveball of David Marshall midfield against the Czechs didn't really work out. So then he work out. Gilmore in for, yeah, it was much better. Um, something that I've not done for a while, and sometimes ask at the start of the podcast, I think it's relevant for this week, where the Euro's been on, is asking what you're drinking. I take it like Ronaldo, it's not Coke. That only works, because that only works if I explain it, you've just held up Coke there. Is it the water? Or no, are we going for the beer? What has everyone gone for? Uh, Lovre, I'm interested, you ever got a wee Croatian beer on the go? I don't know Croatian beers. And I do like uh, beers. Yeah, I'm kind of underage, but uh, the the parents get a I, the parents get. get <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm actually 16, so but I I, I do have some. Yeah, oh, no, I mean it, I had 16. it at the World Cup. So in Scotland, love rate 16. You love it. You love it. All the beers and spirits by 16. Yeah, I mean it's same here in the Balkans. Especially <laughs> uh, Russell, what about yourself? You got a, a kind of cheeky wee drink there. Do you know what? I, I haven't put a drink to once uh, with me, um, but I have had a couple of Coronas earlier today with a curry, which uh, is probably making me feel a little bit lethargic. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but just going back to um, the the couple of Scottish lads that I met on the train going up to uh, to the ground to Wembley. Um, there was like one lad was drinking a Fanta, and I said to him, "What are you doing? Surely it's orange, yes, but shouldn't it be Iron Brew?" Um, <laughs> But uh, no, they were uh, they were good lads. But no, I haven't got anything here that was uh, that is wet, unfortunately. Are you sure he was Scottish? Because Fanta doesn't sound. I mean, I, I would debate, debate that as well. 
Well, he was wearing a dress, and uh, but he didn't have oh, a knife. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you've been, how long have you been waiting for that one, Russell, to get at it? <laughs> he didn't have a knife down his socks, and uh, he wasn't wearing a uh, a handbag. It was foreign. And where was this? Was this when the tube got into Soho, or was it past? No, this was going from my uh, my area, my home. What England top did you have on in Friday incidentally? Uh, what, oh, I. Because we were also doing the tops on. Did uh, you know? Off, you know I forgot about that. I have to be honest. Uh, no, score draw yeah. done a, um, a a jacket that was made um, sort of reminiscent of the the nineteen ninety third blue shirt, and they also done a red one. Um, so I, I, it was my birthday recently, and I got that um, for my birthday. Um, but I had a um, a white nineteen seventies effort underneath that. Yeah. What did you make in a mashup top that score draw did? Do you like that? The... No, I'm, no, I'm I like my shirts. I have to be honest. I've I've got a fair amount of football shirts, um, but that mash mashup shirts in general, just uh, I don't know what people are thinking. It's I think it's a, a commercialised thing by uh, by the likes of what is it? Classic football shirts um, and what yeah. what they've done with that I, that 1991 is just no no. Favorite England top? Ooh, favorite. Do you know I've got there's a fair few. Um, I, I always liked the the 2002 um, one with the the red um, vertical stripe on one side, simply because that was my first World Cup that I went to, and I remember wearing that. Um, but I, I like the the 1988 ones where it was like a a granddad collar, yeah. um, very reminiscent of the the Newcastle famous shirt like the 96 one I think it was um yeah I, I like those ones nice tight and very sweaty those <laughs> ones <laughs> I love it I always think Croatia have some of the best talks around it's iconic what is your favorite over your years that we've that you've had uh, uh, it, it's really hard but I think you can't go wrong with the 98 shirt I, and, and it kind of brings back the memories yeah, so that's yeah. definitely going to be it for me, even though I wasn't born in that era, but I heard so much about it and the kids were just, wow. Was uh, that, was that the one the... where it sort of faded to one side? Uh, it like flickered uh, out to, to one side, like uh, um, like the, the checkers sort of angled. Yeah. Wattle. Yeah. Yeah. So. I had the away strip, that, that the blue oh, one with the, uh, yeah, the red squeals that, I, that I, I mentioned to to Lovray on on the podcast that we had there it's such a shame with the, the the situation with fans at the moment and we can't have away fans that there is one thing with away when away fans turn up and when the Croatian fans turn up in on mass much like the Dutch all in their orange but when you see all the all the Croatian fans standing there in their checks, it's it's a fantastic sight. It's just such a shame that we can't see it. Yeah, sometimes we kid on in that that it's a, a tablecloth top, but I'm like full of admiration always for Croatian tops. I don't think Croatia have ever in the history so far had a bad top. No, I can think of. I can't remember any now. Whereas we've had some stinkles over the years. Um, so yeah, that pink one. Oh, that was horrific. Which pink one? The one that we wore at Wembley. Yeah. (laughs) Because we we decided to um, have white sleeves on our blue top, which meant that we couldn't wear our blue blue top at Wembley. And you guys had to um, wear red and hand them. them. Yeah, we wore a shirt that was the previous season's one, which I think went down like a uh, sandwich. 
um, I think with uh, with Nike or whoever were, were manufacturing the shirts at the time. So the England Czech Republic game, me a preview of that as well, obviously, because there's everyone's got something to play for. Um, confident, would you say, Russell? It's it's really strange, isn't it? After that, we I'd say after the Croatia game, we didn't really get out of third gear after the Scotland game, where we didn't turn up at all. Part of me says we've got to turn up. We have to turn up in this this game. Okay, we're we're already through. Um, yeah, I, I want to go in confident, having beaten them at home um, by a considerable margin, but having seen like albeit just highlights what what they're capable of. They're always going to be a uh, always a danger, but I think I think we're we're confident um, that that we can we can turn this around. Technically, you're not through yet because um, if you lose by a couple of goals and, there, and there's a few teams on four points, I know it's unlikely like it could um, happen. But, um, I'm getting ahead of myself there, yeah. Yeah, but um, in, in terms of, I mean, John also mentioned it earlier because um, if you, it's a bit of a conundrum because if you win the group, you still keep your home advantage for the next round, but you're going to get one of France, Germany, and Portugal. Or Hungary. Or Hungary, yeah. People have dismissed Hungary, haven't they? And they were good. They were good against Portugal until, and then I think it was just eventually mm-hmm. Portugal almost wore them down. And the Germany game wasn't too dis. Not sorry, the France was. game wasn't too dissimilar. Like France, first half should have been well. It was a, not similar in terms of scoreline, but context of the game. Well, I think um, they've been helped by that that amazing support that they've got. Oh, it's been it's tremendous. Yeah, how good was the scene though yeah. when the the boy scores and he goes over to the crowd and the woman gets a total fright <laughs> sitting at the commentary yeah. bit. You see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that's iconic. That's one of the moments there, Chairman. Yeah, and um, if you finish second, um, you you get the runners up um, from Group E, and from what I've seen of the Group E, e teams, um, Spain, Slovakia, Sweden, and uh, Poland, there's not real much to fear, but. You'll lose that home advantage because it's going to be in Copenhagen. So where do you stand? Yeah, I was I was trying to look at it all earlier. Um, yeah, there is that. Is the home advantage if it if it plays out in in this way that if we top the group, then yeah, great. But if we end up playing your your France, your Germany, whoever, like I would say, your Hungary, whoever that that is, Portugal looked a little bit suspect. I have to admit, um, they're not the perhaps team that that. Are the are the holders, um, but yeah, if away. Well, you, you've got to look at it as home. If we're at home, we get the support. If we if we go away um, to was it Copenhagen? I don't know what it is. It's Copenhagen. Copenhagen yeah. yeah, check that. Um, is that one of the? Is that an amber list? How many people are going to go? I've. Well, there's twelve and a half just now. It's the round of sixteen. Um, the round of sixteen, not the only team in England. If they win the group, have to play in Rome. Yeah, no, that that's that would be that's the course of finals. If we win, yeah, if we win the group, home, and then it would be quarterfinals in Rome. Yeah, um, I, I've got to be honest. I think if, if if we're at home, if we can win the group, let's let's stay at home. Let's try and use that home advantage. Yeah. And incidentally, for ourselves or Croatia, um, if we have enough points to be one of the best third place sides, um, it'll either be um, the Netherlands and Budapest, because the Netherlands have already won their group. Uh, the top of Group B says who is likely going to be Belgium and Seville, or the fu- the, the winners of Group E at Hamden. So, lot I to play take, for on Tuesday I take, night. I would take two out of three. I wouldn't take Belgium. Um, no thanks. But I think the other two, I would 
say it was alright. Netherlands are great going forward again. Like we've said this before, still think defensively they're not up to much. I know, and I know we, we obviously drew them before the, the tournament. It was just a friendly, but I still I'm not convinced with the Netherlands. I think I think they've been um, handed a decent draw. To be fair, I know Ukraine came back in the game against them, but um, they still had enough of to win. Austria offered absolutely nothing against them in that game. That for me was the, the games I've watched. That was the poorest game of the tournament. I was surprised um, by that because Austria, I thought, had a, a chance of doing well this tournament. Like, oh, I, didn't like, I didn't like Spain against Poland. That was my game. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just that is just Spain. They they go. Now, did that not happen after they won back-to-back tournaments? That the next jump after that, they were awful. Like they just got into this routine of just like we'll just pass teams off the park. Whereas that doesn't happen now because everyone knows now what Spain do. Like that's just—I don't think Spain have maybe evolved. Like other I teams think have. If, if I could pick one of them, it would be Group E. Whoever wins Group E at Hamden, because nobody in Group E scales me. Um, but. We have to get there first, and that's not an easy task by any stretch. And we exactly. beat Slovakia recently. They've been us. I think Slovak- Slovakia could end up winning that group. Slovakia surprised me. Um, I was surprised they beat Poland. Um, you know, because I thought Slovakia would get beat all three games because I wasn't impressed with them at all in the Nations League there. And they were a little bit fortunate to put Northern Ireland out to reach this finals and the Republic they need a penalty shot against Republic um, so they but, did, look, they did look very good against Sweden though that was the last second yeah, game that's true. Well, for who, who would you want in that scenario if you're lucky enough to beat us on Tuesday uh, maybe Slovakia uh, yeah probably Slovakia because we played them in the qualifiers and we beat them 4-0 at their home ground and in the last match of the qualifiers we beat them 3-1 or four one, something like that. I yeah, so I would I would take them. But then again, I'm not scared of anybody. Especially Spain have kind of surprised me by their lack of finishing. Kind of same as us. Pretty good uh, in the midfield, but pretty bad in the finishing department. So yeah, I'm not scared of anybody. But preferably, if Slovakia can do it, then let it be Slovakia. This is where I might bring myself slightly back down to earth. So we've never got past the group stages. Have Croatia ever not not got in past the group stages? Uh, Twenty fourteen yeah. in the Euros. The Euros. Do you mean the Euros or just major tournaments? Well, I the well, I so you're John saying what twenty fourteen you never got to in the World Cup? Yeah, in the World Cup we lost to Brazil, then beat Cameroon, then lost to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand two as well. You went out the first round as well. You lost to you beat yeah. Italy. But you lost the other two games. You grew up against Mexico and uh, Ecuador, I believe, beat you. Yeah, he's a guest, John. He's a guest. Come down. Come on. The Euros. The Euros, though, was... Yeah, I think they've been Croatia, I, Just to burn myself. Euros, I think, probably didn't make it through, I think. Yeah, we didn't make it through. Right. Still got a much we better record than us in your short history of... 23 years. Well, there's a, there's a so-called first time for everything. So yeah, yeah. this could be the first time we make it and the first time they don't make it in the history of Euros. So, so now you're being the optimistic and I'm being the pet. We're taking turns here. <laughs> but, uh, Although I'm trying to keep my feet in the ground at the same time because if we're talking about first, Croatia haven't beaten us, maybe this is their first. So let's hope it's not. No offence, Lovera. <laughs> yeah, no offence taken. Before we finish up, shall I give you my bad joke? It's better be worth it, John. Makes it even worse, to be honest. I have have said it's a bad joke, so I prepared you that it's bad. So, did you hear that um, Koke was going to sign for Juventus, but Ronaldo vetoed it? 
That's the worst joke you've ever told. Yes, and I prepared that one as well. Usually, I just do it off the cuff. But I, I, I know I'm like feeling like I've got a badge of honour, but I need to make the jokes bad. So at least we have a, least a bad we, joke on the podcast each week now. At least we know you can't do a joke off the cuff or by writing it down. So but it was supposed to stop. be. It was supposed to be a bad joke, so I've succeeded. You wanted this, you, you wanted I, a sticky laugh. That's what you were after. No, I want to teach you not to react. You're not going to get a gig at the stand by saying, hey, I got a bad joke and nobody laughed. No, but I told you earlier, I don't want to get the stand. Your show is up in front of two guests jokes. from England and Croatia. They've, they've, they came here to Russell have a tried, nice time. Russell, and I now... tried a joke earlier and we never even acknowledged it. <laughs> it's a bit too obvious, but that's neither here nor here. This, he's a guest. Aye. Well, you I just want you. I want you, though. I'm, I'm giving you bad... It's I'm going just... to give you bad jokes. You, you've... You've made me feel mental. so bad that I need to tell bad jokes now. I can't do my John, that, that one was so bad that there wasn't even a tumbleweed. Exactly. That's that's what I'm aiming for now. But it's not a joke. It's not even a joke at that point. That's just you telling fucking words together. It's you putting a couple of words it? together and just uh, you put them together. No, it was the, it was it was Europe it was Euro twenty twenty topical with the Coke thing and Ronaldo. <laughs> Bloody hell. You even said it oh never, never mind. Oh, what geez. have you guys made of um you know, some of the other teams and stuff that have impressed you. Myself. Both you and Lovra. Yeah. I mean, I've got to admit, I was, I've been surprised by Turkey. I thought that they were, mm-hmm. were going to be more of a threat than, than they frankly turned out to be. Um, I think it was uh, the World Cup qualifiers where they, where they won two um, and were, were heading for a, for th- three out of three and it, it just didn't happen but I thought that would stand them in good stead going into uh, to the tournament I don't know what they've done um, pre-tournament um, but frankly they've been appalling um, yeah. in what I've um, seen yeah I predicted that they would be a dark person get to semi-final um, and they've been absolutely rank rotten mm. um, they've they've defended uh, what's happened to him this tournament um, he has he's been dreadful. Now they've went out with three defeats out of three. Yeah. Um, it's I mean I must say Wales played outstanding against them um, last week. I think that was arguably one of the best team performances of the tournament. Wales could have won that about th- four or five. And Gareth Bale, although he missed the penalty, didn't let that get to him. He was still so good to set up the the second goal ramp, and that that's the difference for Wales. I mean I've got to give a shout out to. Um, Russell Todd from Podcast Pell Droids um, because he was confident Wales would go, would go through and uh, well, Bale and Ramsey in their day, what's the saying? Form is temporary, class is permanent. That's certainly the case with, with those two um, in that game. They were both, uh, they brought the right game and Wales were a totally different team and well done to them for getting through. We've got a good striker in Moore as well, you know, he's done mm-hmm. he's done really well. It, it, as you say, as a unit, Wales just work so hard together. Barry Ward, obviously, got, like you had two joins on row from uh, playing in Scotland. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've been very, very pleasantly surprised by Wales. Just uh, fantastic uh, performances all round. Um, but, yeah. I think um, Italy, I, I must admit, everyone was talking uh, about this, uh, like, what was it, Group uh, Group E? No, sorry, Group, group F. Group F, sorry, yeah, with with your Portugal, your Germany, um, and your France, and and trying to pick a winner from that, and and Italy are always on the periphery, although obviously not making it at the last World Cup. Um, you kind of think, that, yeah, they're, generally they're a decent side, but I think actually um, they 
they've been really good, Italy. Lovely. What do you think in terms of teams that have impressed you so far? Uh, I was more surprised by Turkey, as I think all of us were. Uh, Denmark, sadly, what happened to Ericsson, that happened. But I, I was I predicted them as the dark horse. I, I thought they were going to go far. Uh, another another team I, I was surprised by was Hungary because wow they just I and I have to give a shout out to Laszlo Klenkesler who plays at Tosik in in the domestic league here in Croatia. He he gave he was man of the match against uh, against uh, France. So yeah, kind of kind of good thing for our league, kind of showing up. But yeah, I was more surprised by Turkey and Denmark. It's one of those, I think, for the likes. You know how like, you used to always, be after tournaments, you would get players moving left, right and centre. You maybe don't get that quite so much now after tournaments, but I think the likes of your teams like Hungary, maybe to some of the kind of lower-ranked teams there, but the ones that will benefit, I think, after this. Because folk are realising they've got a quality that you don't see them every week. Um, so I'm going to wear impressive again, um, both games. Are we premature when we spoke about the demise of Germany after what they did against Portugal? Hold my hands up. Yeah, I was... Um, I'd written still them off. Go I mean, it still could go, but yeah. they look good. Aye. Again, they look like they were. They were, they were a lot Germans. unlucky against uh, France. They were unlucky against France in the fact that they got to the final third and just didn't do anything with it. But then they put that um, the right way against Portugal. They were absolutely fantastic. I must say, Portugal defensively were really poor. And we've said that the Portugal team is a better one in 2016. And I still believe that. I still think that Portugal team is the luckiest team to win a European Championship. But defensively, they looked hopeless. And Germany capitalised. I thought Germany were superb. And uh, it's just... To be honest, I didn't know that Hummels had been brought back. And as I say, I said in the WhatsApp chat, you know, basic research, I forgot that they were home um, for three yeah, other games. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's... Um, I completely forgot about that. It's just weird, um, you know, seeing this tournament being held in so many different countries and different cities. I think the, the only thing I'll say about Germany is they're still susceptible to pace. I think against France, mm-hmm. at times you saw Hummels was just eyes wide open and, you know, he got caught out a few times. Um, so it just depends who Germany get, if they get through the, the group stages, who they get, and if it's, some, if it's a team with a good kind of pacey attack. I'd really like to see um, somewhere down the line the Dutch and the Germans. Um, Would you not like to see England v Germany in the last 16, surely? At Wembley. Could happen, couldn't it? Could happen. Uh, could happen. Yeah, I just think with the two, with the Dutch and the Germans, obviously it's a rivalry, a bit like um, Scotland and England. And I think they, they kind of cancel each other out. It would be quite good to just see. I get a slugfest. Um, Sorry to interrupt but, you know. briefly, but John asked a question of Russell when he was last on the podcast saying, do England see Scotland as rivals? Probably not now. Do Germany maybe see Netherlands not realise a rival as much now? Germany-England thing is more they can arrive rivalry, in a way. But myself, I mean, Germany... People, I, I don't think Germany see England as a they, they see them as a rival, um, but they'll always see um, Netherlands as a rival and, and France simply because they're they're linked in the same way that that we see you um, as a rival linked. Um, I think a lot of it is a lot of it is sort of media hype, isn't it? And and so many things that have gone in the past come into the equation that that don't need to be really mentioned. Um, 
no, I, it, England Germany will always be a, a rivalry, but not as much as as Germany Holland. I don't. Yeah, think. was a lot a German player not that long the last two weeks, and somebody asked him, "Or oh, is England your kind of biggest rivalry?" And he said, "No, it's it will always be the Dutch. Mm. That's that's the one that they always see as their biggest rivalry." Good. We want another. I loved when they were facing off each other in the late eighties, nineties. It was you knew you were in for a game. We're going to see a good game. And then you get shampoo adverts after it and all the rest of it with the uh, price Alden Voller. Oh, I, oh. I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> no, don't give him that. Bloody hell, man. That's two jokes. See, that's clever. clever. Mine's was clever. Oh. That's an age thing. I just love where I get that. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> Nobody would ask Lovely if like my joke. Maybe Lovely is a younger, a younger person might have liked my joke. Well, didn't he laugh? <laughs> he was on mute. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I was on a mute for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, oh, the best joke in the podcast. Um, <laughs> so maybe on that note, we should wrap up. It's been really good having Russell uh, back okay. on. Thank you for having me. It's been a, uh, been a pleasure. I would like to say I wish you luck for the rest of the term, but I can't. Sorry. Not uh, even through gritted teeth. Definitely not. <laughs> um, Lovely, a pleasure having you on for the first time. I, mean, I cannot believe you're 16. Um, a pleasure to have you on. Again, I would like to wish you luck, but I can't because if you have the luck, then you're out. So apologies. <laughs> um, but we'd be delighted to get you back on in future again if you were up for it. Yeah, well, well let's, let's just say who made the, made the best win, whoever wins. Scotland. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> likewise, um, yeah. And then Scott... As I say, always a pleasure. Always. And uh, yeah, I think we'll be back Wednesday, but it'll be out Thursday, and we're going to have the Welsh representative on, John, I believe. Well, I'll ask them, but yeah. <laughs> but you said you'd asked him earlier, and he said yes. No, I didn't. Did you not? Am I getting... this, is why, this is why the English think we're tin pot. This is what happens. You Check said... I'll chase Scott, who's, and he's in. Scott McGill. Oh, Scott McGill, aye, that's right, aye, Scott. How can you get confused between a Scottish singer and a Welsh podcaster? Look, it's been a long weekend. A good Scottish singer than we Because he's 62, everybody seems the same. Of Welsh people, Scottish people, singers, podcasters, all see the same, John. Everyone's the same. As soon as his hair fell out, uh-huh. nothing mattered. Thought, okay, I... just say, can I just say the best the best thing that's happened this tournament is um, Christian Eriksen getting out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, and so then yeah. it'll be Scotland getting out the groups. That'll be the next best thing. Yeah. Aye. Right, okay. Thank you, everyone. And take care. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Thank you.